0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. All right, everybody. Parshas Devaran 5782. This is one of my favorite divrei Torah from way back in the day. Way back in the day. I think I said this, the idea behind this Pasek. I'm pretty sure I said it in 1998 for the very first time. That was my first time saying this word. It's from the Chida. So I'm going to surround it with everything else. But here's what it is. Perek Be'ez Pasach Gimel. It's right in the middle of Moshe Rabbeinu's speech to the people, telling them about what a Kaddish Baruch Hu did for them. And he says, The Avim that were living in open cities all the way to Aza. Kaftora the Kaftorim who came from Kaftor came and destroyed them by Yeshvu Tachtom. and they lived in their place wherever the, the Avim were. The Kaftorim took them over. Now the Gemara Chulin and Daf Samachu says in the name of Reish Lakish there are many Psukim in the Torah that deserve to be burned, the Roi to be burned, because they seem there seems to be no need for them whatsoever. It looks like there's no need to mention anything about them, but they're really goofy Torah, says. Resh They're Torah. That means, obviously, there are massive lessons that we can learn out of these psukim. We just have to know what we're doing. You might not realize it at first glance. You might be able to look at it and say, well, this doesn't make any sense to me. But once you recognize the idea behind it, you'll recognize there's something great behind these psukim. What exactly is that? So Rashi says that the avim were a form of the policehim. We see this in Yoshua Perik Yud, Be, Yud Gimel, I'm sorry. There are five officers of the police mentioned. The five officers of the police are in Gaza, Ashtod, Gas, Ekron, and the and Avim, and the Avim all together. Now, did I say that all together? Yeah. Gaza, Ashtod, Ashkelon, Gas, Ekron, and the Avim. Now, obviously, if you look at the positive, you're going to see that there are actually six nations Mentioned in the pasuk, not five. It says there are five officers of the pleshtim, and then I mentioned six nations altogether, right? So that's obviously a very, very strange question why the pasuk would say it that way. So there are a couple answers. The easy answer is is that there were five areas in Eretz that the pleshtim had t- taken over, but there were altogether a, there was a sixth area that didn't have a prince. So there were five princes, six provinces, everybody got that? That's the difference between them? Right? All together and the Avim were the actual ones that were out there. Maybe they were so much stronger than the others that the Canaan can never subjugate them so their land was never under the land of Canaan while the other five were under the land of Canaan. Or just the opposite. The Canaan never considered them worthy of their attention. So the Avim might have been there but nobody really cared about them and that's why it's not mentioned as the five princes the people that are part of the police themselves. Okay, but that's one answer. That's one answer. There's another answer men- mentioned by Rashi and Yoshua. And this is Chul and Samach the opinion of Rabbi son, who says there were six areas of the Felishtim. Five of them had princes since the Avim were later destroyed by the Kaptorim. There was a sixth land, a sixth prince. But because the Kaptorim took them over, who came from Crete, those who know that's an island in the Mediterranean Sea, near Eretz Yisrael. And the other five cities of the Polishtim took in those refugees, the refugees from the Avim, but because they no longer had any independence, they couldn't defend themselves, they no longer had a prince, the Avim were essentially gone, and there were five lands of the Polishtim. That's Rashi over there. Miam Loez in St. Yeshua says this was not a coincidence. As is everything else in the world, HaKadosh Baruch Hu was in charge of this from the beginning till the end and made sure that everything happened. The leader of the Avim at the times of Avram Avinu, was a man by the name of Avimelech, king of Gror. He was the king of the Pleshtim, but specifically of the Avim. He made a peace treaty with Avramino and said that your children should not destroy my children, my children will not destroy your children, and that promise that there would be no attacks from one place to the other, which means Bnei Saul could never take over their land. They would never be able to, Destroyed the land of the Avim. Avimelech had taken advantage of Avram Benu in his time of weakness when Av- Avram was in his land. But in the end, HaKadosh Baruch Hu made sure that Avram would still get the land because there were no Avim. The Kaftorim took over the land, destroyed the Avim and Avimelech's descendants, which meant that there were no people out there that the Jews could not fight against. And there was no reason whatsoever because the B'nai Israel didn't have any treaty with the Kaftorim. So the whole point of this pusik, says the Miamloes, based on the different Rishonim, is that this whole pusik is mentioned to tell you the Avim, who are the descendants of Avimelech had no longer any descendants in Eretz Canaan, which meant that the Jews were able to defeat the land because they were taken over by the Kaptorim. So Rashi is telling us, and really this is the idea that the Pusik is telling us, that a Qadosh Baruch who took care of us before and so we had no issue whatsoever. So yeah, so, what are we we going to ask? 100%. Right, we're going to get to that, we're going to get to that, everything else. There are obviously other opinions that there were other polishtim involved in this other policemen involved in this. Now, that is all from the Miam Lois. The Sforno says, right, that it actually does mean Avram Avinu swore to Abimelech that it wouldn't be any of the descendants. Their land was already in the hands of the other nations, so therefore they were allowed to conquer it. So that's the Sforno based, the Miam Lois is based on that. That's the idea behind it. There is another opinion in the Rishonim, Rashi and the Radak, based on Rav, in that Gemara and Chulin Daftal Samachum Beis. That the word avim is out of place. Now I, I, I will tell you the people that made the two dots at the end of every pasuk were the Christians. We have the concept of a sof pasuk and a you know, like sort of the middle of a pasuk and the end of a pasuk based on our trup. But there were some that were at least questionable. Here is one of the questionable ones. This pasuk that mentions the five officers of the pelishdim and then goes through six people, again, going through Gaza, Ashdod, Ashkelon, Gass, Ekron, etc., and the Avim, according to these other Rishonim, again, this is Rav's opinion, so it is brought in the Gemara itself, Avim belongs to the next Pasuk, Avim mitaymon that the Avim are not a Plishti nation, they were an Edomite nation. They were not part of the five Sarne and the five officers of the and Those were those five categories. But the Avim were from Teman. They were somebody else entirely. And therefore, it's really part of Pasig dalid. The Avim, me, Teman, they were the people that were a little bit different. It's Tosus that mentions that over there in Hulan that explains that a little bit better. They weren't allowed to fight against Edom either. So again, they, they were told not to fight against Edom. So it makes even more sense now that they were told that the Kaptorim defeated the Avim so they could take over the Avim's land because they wouldn't otherwise because they were part of Edom and they weren't allowed to fight Edom at that time. Okay? Either way, whether it's the Plishtim or whether it's Edom, the Kaptorim taking over the land allowed them to be able to get it. The Malbim says this as well. All of that is mentioned over there in that Gemara as well as that Pusik as well. Targum Yonasan, however... He has a third opinion. They're not Polishtim. They're not Edomim. They're Canaanim. They're actually from Canaan. They were a Canani tribe. And they're not Avim. They are Chivim. Now, there are seven nations that we know of part of Eretz Canaan, right? Canaan, Amori, the Gergashi, the Chivi, the Chiti, Yavusi, and who am I missing? Make one up. Chivi, Chiti, Amori, Gushi Prezy Prezy I think I missed Prezy all together and the Canaanim, all together and Avim are synonymous with each other. And he said, that that's from Targum, Yonas, and Ben Uziil. The Balitosos all say the same, as well as the Ramban, as well. We see this, that the Ayin and the Ches are interchangeable. I can't answer, by the way, why the, the Nikudos are different. Avim and Chivim, it should be Chavim, if anything, or Ivim. I'm not sure why the nekudos are not interchangeable that way, but an Ayin and a Ches we see elsewhere that they are interchangeable. For example, there's a Gemara that's brought down in Moed Katan, of Dainamaviz as well as Nedarim Mem Aleph and That Reb Chia was known as iya Ayin Yud Yud Aleph because he couldn't well pronounce the Ches. And anyway, the Ayin back in the day was like a guttural sound. Those who know how to do it, like if those know from Shoal Shimon Ray, right? When he says the Ayin, he almost like swallows it. It's like Ayin. Like that. It sounds unbelievably weird, but he swallows it when he goes through because that may have been the way that they pronounced it back then, and it was super close to a ches. As well as, we all know there are certain letters that are connected to one another. Aleph, ches, hey, and ayin are interchangeable because they all come from the throat. Bays, vav, mem, peh are interchangeable because they come from the lips. Then there's gimel, yud, chaf, kuf. Right? Dalid Lamid Tes Nun Saf and Zion Shin Samach Reish Sadi. All those letters are so to speak connected with one another because they come from different parts of the mouth. So Aleph Hay, and Ayin are interchangeable with one another. So that's that. These men, according to the Ramban, say they were related to the Rathayim, the giants, and therefore related to the Nephilim as well, the Avim slash Chivim, They were from that area. When Avramin was promised that his nations would conquer everything, they were promised that they would take over ten nations. Six of them we know, and those are Canaan, Mori, Prizi, Avusi, Gergashi, and Chiti. There are three other nations that we'll get in the future, the Keni, Kinesi, and Kadmoni, which we know of as Moab, Amon, and Edom. Those are those nations over there. The last one is the Chivim, but the Chivim aren't mentioned there. The Rephaim are mentioned there by Avram Avinu. Because at the time, they were still known as the Rephaim. Later on, they became the Chivim. And it was synonymous with the Avim that are mentioned in this passage. The Avim, Ayoshev, Bechadzei, Ramad Kaptor, and They're the ones that are mentioned over here. So therefore, according to this pshat, the Balitosis, Targum Yonis, and the Ramban, they are not Plishim. They were not t- the Edomim. They were completely a nation of Kenani people that were known as the Chivim, and that is the Apen that we're mentioning over here. They were so strong that they lived in areas without walls, which makes sense, they were related to the Rafayim, the giants, Og, was Mi Yasser HaRafayim, from the remnants of the giants that remained, so they were giant people, they relied on their own strength, they lived in these open cities, that were out there in the world, and they had nothing to worry about whatsoever. Now, Ramban continues, that although Rashi says that the Avim are plishtim, and he likes that opinion he goes through, and the Kapturim had to take over so that they could get that land, etc. He says, it seems unlikely, right, that Avim are mentioned as part of the five plishtim, because again, it doesn't fit the Pesach itself. It must be another nation that they were conquering at the time along with the Pleish themselves. And maybe it's because of their... Plus, if Hashem wanted to give us the land of the Plishim, why only mention the Avim and not everybody else? What about the other five nations that were living in Gass and Ekron, and Gaza, etc.? What about all those other people over there? Maybe, he says, that the Kaftorim were really a sect, a sect of Plishim that took over the land of the Avim and they called themselves due to that name, due to the fact that they were living in their land. But he says he's not sure. He's not sure altogether. He favors the Kanani Pshat, but he's okay with Plishtim that ended up going there, intermarrying maybe with the Kenanim and ended up being part Kanani, and that's the Chivi itself. That's all that. Now, the Gemara and Huling question questions why they were called Avin, and gives a bunch of answers. There's really a ton of answers to this question. Number one, Sheivu es They left their city. They ran out because the Kaftorim defeated them. So they were called Avim because ayin yud vav vav, they left their place. There's another answer that Ayin and Aleph are similar and Ivu, they desired other gods. They had, comes from the word Taiva, like their desire to go somewhere else because they wanted to learn from the Canaanim. They ended up becoming like the Canaanim and ended up marrying into the Canaanim. That's who the Avim were. They craved those desires. They did anything they could to be next to them. Rev Yosef says they called Avim because they caused shock, Ivus, in anybody that came near them. They were just that huge. And again, as we just said, he even brings down that they had 16 rows of teeth. Each one of these, Avim, 16 rows of teeth. That would scare anyone who saw them. Now the Rokeach has a girsa. he has a text that says that they had Pegimos in their gums that made them look like they had teeth, like completely misshapen mouths like completely messed up mouths. So it doesn't literally mean they had 16 rows of teeth. They had these gums that were like, I guess, inflamed, and it looked like things were growing out of them. So they just had massively messed up mouths. That's who the Avim were, and that's what it was. And that scared the living daylights out of everybody because they were so huge and messed up mouths, right? That's what they looked like, and that's that. Those are the three opinions brought by the Gemara. The Das, the Paneach, Raza, Bechor, Shor, and the Rush say, again, the Avim are the Chivim, because they could be exchanged. And they were so scary, they lived in open cities. I'm not sure if we count that as a separate answer of what the word Avim means, or it's just connected with the fact that there were giants related to the Rafaim, as the Ramban said. Baratheus Rabbah, Chav Bav Zion, says they trapped the world with their idolatry. And in the end, they were destroyed because they were crazy idolaters. We have no idea what their God was, but in Yeches, Chav Aleph Lame the word Ave means to keep away. They kept the world away from God, and therefore they were destroyed. So that's answer number four. Answer number five, the Rashbam, brings down that they were experts in dirt and mud. They could pick up dirt from the ground and smell it, and they were able to tell where things were based on that. Rabbi Babar Khanah met an Arab merchant like this in the Gemara in Baba Basra, right? In the famous Gemaras of Mokras, and he saw a guy who was able to test the dirt and be able to know where things were. Similar to snakes, which again, chivya in Aramaic is a snake, so chivim and avim, I guess, are connected with one another, but that's that. They even knew where to plant trees and bushes because they were experts in the ground. They knew what land would be the best to be able to plant certain things, and they were unbelievably successful because of that talent of theirs to be able to figure out what goes where and at what time. Pretty amazing, right? That's the avim right there. That was answer number five. Answer number six, Miamnoi says it comes from the word evus, which means crooked. Their behavior was so terrible, and I guess this is similar to the idolatry up above, that they were known to be terrible people. They left their land of Edom to live in Eretz Canaan, to be with the Canaanites because they wanted to copy their practices, their idolatry, and all their terrible things. And therefore, because of that, they were known as their Avim as the people that were Avus, messed up people altogether. And the last answer we have is also in the miyamloes that they were Avim because they messed up the land they were in. <coughs> Excuse me. And that's from the word Eyim, desolate areas. They had made all the cities that they used to live in into desolate, nothing areas with nothing left. They just destroyed them after they went through and that's that. So altogether, seven answers as to why they're called the Avim themselves. The Abarbanel has a totally different way of looking at these Psukim. He says, maybe the people are going to complain. We passed by Moab and we weren't allowed to fight them. We passed by Amon. We weren't allowed to fight them. We passed by Edom. And we weren't allowed to fight them. What's with this? They said to Akhar Farahu. "Why are we not getting their land?" They would complain to Hashem. They didn't know that those three lands were for the for the future. They were promised to Avram I Avinu. Mean, they said, "Why aren't we getting their land?" So Akhar Farahu tells them not to worry. He would give them extra land that Hashem was never that Avram I Avinu mean, was never promised. He was promised the land of ten different nations. And Hashem said, you're right, you're not getting those three now, but I'll give you the Avim, even though I never promised you them before. I'll give you that land, and that land will be yours, you'll conquer it anyway, and therefore I'm going to add on the Avim at the very end. Yeah, so where are the Avim situated? Assumably by the Pleshti area, by the Gaza area. So all the way on the west coast, yeah. but that was always. Somewhere around there, wherever it was, whether it was Yehuda's land or Shimon's land, somewhere around there would have been where they were. But we don't know. We don't have an exact spot. Yeah, but from the sea at what point? It didn't have to go all the way down to where currently Gaza is today. It might, might or might not have included that. Right, that's a little bit of a question whether it goes all that way far down. But either way, it's right around there, I think. Now, Rav Arya Kaplan says Chatseros does not mean open cities like we've been translating until now. He says it's called Rafa in the in the Rishonim. It's called Rafiach, Rafiach today. And I'm sorry, the map is just not big enough on your sheet right over there, but you can see it. It's right there. Rafa still exists in the Gaza Strip today. Do you know? Do you know what it is? You've been around there? Are you allowed to say? Is a an idf thing no no there's, there's, there's okay there. yeah there's the rafa crossing exactly it's very near what we now know of as the egyptian border it's right there it's 16 miles southwest of the city aza gaza on the mediterranean coastline right it could refer to open cities but it seems to be referring to that area itself revaria kaplan also brings down who are these kaftorim and that's going to lead to the next part so now we've got down who the are. we may even have down where they were that area where they were right around that gaza area Ravari Kaplan says the Kaphtorim, Targumunculus calls them Capacodians. Kapod- Kap- Capacodians. I looked it up, this is not a nation worth going into, it's some island in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, and we'll go with that, Gon says they are Demiatrim, they lived in Demat on the eastern side of the Nile River in Egypt, which means, again, that these Kaphtorim, right, were from Egypt, so we have these Pleshti slash Adomi slash Kenani nation of the Avim that were defeated by these Egyptian people that lived on the east side of the Nile River in an area called Dimat, right near El Arish on the west of modern Port Said. I did have a map and I forgot to put it on over here, but it's right over there. The Ramban says the same, calling them Egyptians. Others say that they came from Cyprus or, as I said before, Crete. The Miamlois, the English Miamlois, Baravari Kaplan, calls them Cretians, right? From the island of Crete itself. Now, the Rokeach says that the Kaftorim were Nanosim, which means they were little people. As a side note, we're not going to use the word midget, because that is a name that's used to demoralize anybody who is a little person. So that name has not been used since, uh, I don't know, 1985. So we're going to try not to call them. We're going to call them little people, right? They were little people that were very right over there. And he says, the Rokhach says, mamzerim as well. Mamzerim. He bases it on Baratheous Rabba Lamed Zayn Hey. I'll tell you, I looked at that medrash. It does not say the word mamzerim. It says nanosim that they're little people, but it does not say the word so I'll show you in a second. The Rabbini Yoel says that's why there's no vav in the name of the kaftorim. Kaftorim is missing a vav because they were smaller than the others, so to speak. They were missing something, and that's why they're called small people. The eighth Yosef in the Matnas Kuna says the most amazing thing in the world. Anybody know what a kaftor is in Hebrew? It's like a button, like a ball, like almost round, because they were round as a ball. <laughs> They were small and round, and much rounder. right? (laughs) That's exactly what I thought. They were Oompa Loompas. Uh, I had no doubt in my mind they were Oompa Loompas. I don't know if they started singing every time. Like, I had absolutely no idea. But it was amazing to say it that way, which means that. Now, the Medrash does not say they were Mamzerim. It doesn't say anything about them being Mamzerim. The Rokeach brought that in. But Rashi does say they were Bnei Zima. There were people that were in tremendous illicit behavior. Now, it's, it's funny, interesting, because there's a Gemara Moed Ches that mentions that Paro was an Amatol. He was a very small person, which, by the way, now somewhat makes sense that these guys were Egyptians. There might have been a whole sect of Egypt that were small people, that were little people, and one of them became Paro, and he was in Amatol, the, rem, the others were these Kaptorim, and they're the ones who took over the area of the Avim, which is really amazing to think about, that it's related to that Gemara, but the Gemara says right over there that Paro was also a tremendous Baal Averus, that he was into Arias, and that was the whole point, and it seems the Benishchai says something, he just says that that person, a person of that ilk is a terrible person when it comes to Arias. So I I don't know what he means by that. But maybe that's the connection. The Rokhah calls him Mamzerim, And I guess this is the idea that Rashi says there were B'nai Zima without any source. There's no source for it. But I think it's related to that Gemara in Moed Katten. Nobody brought that up, at least nobody that I saw. But I think it's related to that with Paro himself. Hold on, Nitziv says based on Yechesco Chav Zayn as well. These were very short people who were one tall. Again, related to that Gemara, similar to a ball in shape. The Nitziv brings that down. It would have been impossible, says the Nitziv, for these people to walk straight. They wouldn't have a normal way of walking, let alone take over a land of Avim who were a bunch of giants, right? These giants that were there who these people were somehow able to go and yet they were successful with Akadosh Baruch Hu's help. These people who could barely walk, who were tiny people, destroyed a land of giants that were able to take them over. Okay, that's going to lead us to obviously the next part. There's a chidah in Pene David that takes it one step further. And this is the chidah that I mentioned in 1998. This is my first, the first word that I said over. He says there's a medrash Rabbah in Parshas Noach. It's in Perak Lamid Zion Pusakeh that says the Kaftorim were little people, as we just said. In Bechoros Memheim Abbez, it says that a little person should not marry another little person because their child might become an etzboi. That's what the Gemara Pohoro says. A much smaller person. Much smaller person. Which means that you'd have that, that would be something like that. These people were known as ha-kaftorim mikaftor, mi-kaftor. Which we took to mean there were people, kaftorim, that came from the land of kaftor. That's how we understood it, right? But now the chidah takes it a little bit different. He says, no, they were little people that came from other little people, which means they were exboim, which means they were the size of a finger. They were tiny, tiny people. They were so diminutive in their height, they were beyond what we would even know of as little people. They were beyond smaller than that. And still, they were able to defeat the giant Avon. That was able to happen. These giants scared people by looking at them who were living in open cities. that They weren't afraid of anything. They didn't even have walled cities. They weren't afraid of anything at all. And they were defeated not just by little people, but by tiny people, by absolute tiny people. That's the idea that the Chida brings down. Now the Chida, the Mi'amloes, the Nitziv, the Malbim, and the Aznaim Latorah all say the same thing based on this. The point of these Psukim, not only what we mentioned before, the idea of what's happening with the police team that we're able to defeat the land, etc. But the point of these Psukim is that HaKadosh Baruch can do absolutely anything. That the Avin were these strong people. Again, as we said, Filled with power and yet defeated by the Kaptorim who came from Kaptor who should have had absolutely nothing. As we said, these Oompa Loompas. Somehow they were able to take over absolutely everything. This completely annihilated... There's a timeout, by the way. Just so you know, in the role Dao book, forget about the... In the role Dow book, they're not big. You know, they're right They're They're thin. They're extremely skinny little people. Okay? So I'm just saying So, either way, regardless, this completely annihilated the argument of the maroglym, because what did the spies claim? spies get claimed we can 't defeat this nation. They're so huge. They're so strong. They're so big. What are we going to be able to do? Moshe Rabbeinu pointed out the Kaftorim right after he talked about the Meraglim. You guys were claiming that we are going to be able to defeat these people. They're too strong. They're too big. They're too great. How are we going to be able to do it? And yet, look at these Kaftorim ayotsimi Kaftor that were able to defeat the Avim. If Akkadush Farhu is behind us, we can do anything we want. We have no doubt that we can do everything that we want to do if we just start. That may be, that may have been the reason why we, they were scared of Sihon and Og, which is the next couple, of psukim. As they were going to fight Sihon and Og, and the people were sitting there and saying, oh my gosh, how are we going to defeat these massive giants, the Yester HaRefayim, these great people were living right over there. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, look at the Kaftorim. The Avim are the other Rephayim. The only reason why Og is me Yester HaRefayim, the remnant of the Rephayim, is because the Kaftorim beat the other Rephayim. They destroyed the other ones. So, so that 's the idea behind it that anything can absolutely happen over here, and that seem, seemingly is the wording of the Rashbam. i 'm quoting the Rashdu you should know baruchu He will give you the inheritance that he promised your fathers he 's hinting to what the Kaptor and the Adam were. It was truly. Giborim biyad rabim biyad ma'atim. How do you normally translate Biadmaatim? What do you normally say for that? The many in the hands of the few. Now you could say the Rabbim are the great strong ones were put into the hands of the Ma'atim, the small people. Yes, we say that in Hanukkah. The concept of that is exactly what we're learning right over here by the kaftorim being able to defeat the Avim right over here. There's even an opinion mentioned elsewhere by the Fidah that B'nai Yisrael were not allowed to take the land away from the kaftorim maybe because they were part of the Polisian nation, maybe because they weren't included in the seven nations to conquer Canaan. So in the end, the Kaftorim were then wiped out by the Amori. First, the Kaftorim beat the Avim, but they weren't able to defeat the Kaftorim either. So B- B'nai Yisrael wasn't allowed to fight them for whatever reason. So the Amorim took them over, and then B'nai Yisrael defeated the Amori and took over this nation right over here itself. If so, what was the point of the Kaftorim taking over the Avim? You might as well have had the Amori take over the Avim and the B'nai Yisrael fight against the Amori. Only for this, to show you that HaKadosh Baruch Hu can do anything. That no matter who you are, no matter what happens, HaKadosh Baruch Hu can do absolutely anything. Yeah, it. So, uh, so what is the koach that the Kapturum had? That we don't know. of nothing. Hashem. That's it. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted it to happen, and that's it. There's literally not a single other bit of koach that they should have had. Right. Nothing. We don't know. Nothing. Listen, in Gulliver's travels, right, in the second nation that he went to, right, the little guys were able to, you know, tie him down and, like, keep him down or whatever it was. But that's because he was sleeping. He didn't know what was going on and whatever it was. If they would have known, if they would have been awake, would that have happened? I, I don't know. How did they defeat the BFG? You know what I'm saying? Like, I I, I don't know. I, there's so many questions that you can have and stuff like that. But... if. Yeah, if nobody gets my references right now, you should be reading at least *Roll dao and possibly *Gulliver's Travels*. At least that. Yeah. Was there some sort of like magic or- nope, nothing. Magic nothing. God. I'm gonna go with God, and I mean this by the way. That's the whole point of the psukim. Hakadosh Baruch Hu wanted them to win. It didn't make any sense, well, the, and they won. The maybe, uh, maybe. I mean, Maybe, yeah, maybe. It could have very well been. Remember, this is it could have been during the times they were in Mitzrayim. It's just very, very, very strange. It's clearly that we're showing the Yad of Hashem. Al-Ano, the Shabakh says a few decades back, there were grave robbers who hung out near Harazesim and it made it very difficult for anybody to bury their dead on Harazesim. It was very difficult for anybody who were there. What would they do? They'd look for gold and silver teeth. Hello, Alayno. It's like such a terrible thing. But the imamish, they'd go into the people's mouths, they'd unbury the dead, take out any gold or silver that they had in their mouths that they used to use back then, right? And steal it. Anything else they might have had also. If a person was buried with something, they would take anything they could find, right? But that was something that was big and they would take that and that was that. So they didn't know what to do. It was a terrible matzav, right? And it, it, it was degrading the dead and nobody knew exactly how to catch these guys. So they, they, they didn't know what to do. One of the gedolim at the time, unnamed, I don't know who it is, he wished to teach them a terrible lesson. So he told us to meet him, to get him tachrichin buy him in Arun, and bury him that very night in Harazesim. Obviously, while he was still alive, right? Bury him that night in Harazesim, leaving him himself to face the grave robbers. Now, his family found out what he was trying to do, and they're like, don't do it. And he said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. They begged him, reconsider. That There's no way this is going to work. You're going to go up against these grave robbers. They're dangerous people. He said, no, I'm going to take care of it. So at midnight, he was buried. And that very night, the grave robbers who were obviously watching Right. They came by, dug up the body in the caver itself. I don't know how he got around the you know, the fact that there's no air down there. So they took a mask, I don't know. So either way, but they took him out of the ground, right? And after they took him out of the ground, as soon as they opened up the coffin, and I know in Earth still they don't bury in coffins, whatever it was that they had, the stone slab, right? <laughs> Immediately, this guddle rose from the dead with his burial shrouds and began to scream out loud, causing the robbers to fall backward and run against themselves. Like, they were scared out of their mind, absolutely scared out of their mind. He ran after them with his stick, saying, don't steal from the dead, you know, etc. I guess he spoke in Arabic, whatever it was. The grave robbers ran out of the cemetery, and obviously they never returned whatsoever. Such a story is an example, says Rebus of Silverstein, of Kaftorim Ayotzimi Kaftor defeating the Avim. That even somebody so simple, if you have the right ideas, you have the ability to be able to do whatever you need to help. With Akarosh Baruch's who's help, any battle can be won. And I know that we automatically resort to, but how did they win? Don't worry about the how. You do what you can, and Akarosh Baruch who helps you win in that way. The Kestam Sofer, however, says the entire Pusik is a remez. And it's a really cool remez. Listen to what he says over here. Avim refer to the nations of the world who do terrible things. They do evus. They do terrible things, etc. Chutzer refers to this world, which is just a hallway, like a courtyard leading into Olam Habah. Aza refers to Azus Panim, brazenness, thinking that they're doing the right thing because God is allowing them to succeed. Kaftur is a reference to that part of the menorah. You know, the menorah had different parts to it. There was the Kaftorim. Right, the little ball that was on the the silver on the gold menorah in the Beis Hamikdash. The capsule refers to tzaddikim who get to learn Torah and create chidushim that are called tzitzim upracham. The other parts of the menorah in Shabbos Kup Bays. Beis Yashvu Tachtam is that the tzaddikim will take over the areas occupied by the sinners and terrible people. Will they, they'll take over those areas and live there instead of them? So that's how you read the pasuk. The evil people that are living in this world have such brazenness, they think they're so great. But the tzaddikim that come from the learning that they've done will instead destroy those evil people and stay in the areas where the tzaddikim were. Where the Rishayim were. Isn't that an unbelievable, Ksam Silver? That's how the Ksam Silver translates it. Now, the Chidal says it a little bit differently, but basically the same exact remez. He says, Avim refer to evil people. who Evil people will make themselves rich through nefarious means. Which means, right, they use evils. They use trickery to become wealthy. They'll lie, cheat, steal in order to become wealthy. They live in chatserim, Which means that their mazel is extremely strong. And they're assured that anything they do will be successful. That's the chatserim. That's the idea. Aza refers to death. Ki Aza Kamavas is the Posik, right? As it refers to death. The kaftor refer to Tamir just like we said up above. The kaftor refers to the Torah that they learn, as we said above. That will take away the power to take away everything the Roshayim have made in this world, the kedusha from the Roshayim, the wealth of the Roshayim, all the great things that the Roshayim have, they're going to take for themselves and turn the Roshayim themselves into a gal shel atzamos, a pile of bones. Perhaps you've seen that line in the Gemara, like in Shabbos, Taflame, Dalam, and Aleph with Roshim Yochai and Yehudah ben he he looked at him and turned him into a gal shel atzamos, a pile of bones, a pile of dust. It's possible that this is what it means. There are Rishayim out there who have tremendous wealth. They're able to get it through a bad means, and they're able to do it. And that's again the way to translate Ha'avim, Araza. They're able to do all these things, and they're able to get great things. But the kaftor Kaptor, the tzaddikim are able to grab that kedusha, take the kedusha away from them, and once that kedusha leaves their bodies, they're left with nothing but a pile of ashes and bones. They're left with only the garbage that they had in the first place. They're riches. They're evil. That they start off with in the first place, and that allows us to be able to get that, and that's the concept of a tzaddik getting the chilek, not only his own chilek in Gan Eden, but the chilek of the Rishayim in Gan Eden as well, he takes away not only his own, he takes away the, the chilek of the Rishayim in Gan Eden, and he gets his plus his, right, that's the idea behind it, and that's what this Pusik is referring to over here, so whether, what we've done today is, we explained who the Avimur. We explained where the Avim lived. We explained who the Kaftorim were. We explained two different reasons why this Pesach would even be mentioned in the Torah, which Rish you said. Again, it is a Pesach that does not need to be mentioned. It should be erased. And yet we have it. And then we gave two different Ramazim in how to understand this pusik in a completely different way than what you would have thought otherwise. All right, guys, we'll stop with that. Have a great Shabbos.